Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey! What's up? We are Cinebuds. I'm 889's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today, we are talking about In My Blood It Runs. It's really important to look after your family members. Bush medicine heals up your body. <laughs> Sometimes it goes to our hands. Juan is the one that I worry about the most. He's got his own mind. In My Blood It Runs is running on oh. Sofa Cinema right now, part That's of true. Milwaukee Films um, movie series. Christopher, In My Blood It Runs, what is it referring to? Well, the title refers to the history of the Aboriginal people runs through all their blood. And there's a um, the film's focus is this young boy who's about 10 years old and about how he kind of has one foot in the white world and one foot in his, the world of his ancestors. He's a young man who's a healer. He's a, a child healer in his community. He's a really smart, really eloquent little kid, but he's in trouble at school. He's in trouble with the law. He's in trouble uh, with the welfare service. It's about these two worlds that don't quite fit together. And if I can spoil it, I loved it. That's not spoiling. <laughs> that's, that's an opinion you have outside of the movie. I just didn't want to keep you waiting any longer. I loved it. I liked it. I Yeah. Documentaries have just gotten so good. And I feel like, you know, having seen so many, there are ones that I've seen that are better. But I, I really, I thought that this was a compelling way to tell this story. I Yeah. I liked it a lot. Tell me that, like, that one thought of, like, what you liked about it. And, and then we'll go in. And then we'll dig in. I will say, well, one thing is that the story is so perfect for the time. Um, I love a documentary that doesn't skimp on the artistry of filmmaking. Yeah. When you have a documentary, it is totally legitimate just to kind of push forward, look straight into the camera, tell a story that we all need to hear. And this is one of those. However, they go a step beyond and make it, uh, the camera work is beautiful. The music is appropriate. Like they amplify the art of it, of documentary, which is not as common. And I love it when people do that. And I felt like it was a really um, thoughtful way to tell this story. It's like, in part, of course, it's a yeah. story about uh, the Aborigine people in Australia. And, uh, but I, I felt like this was a great way to do it was to have this 10 year old character at the center and have all the issues surrounding him instead of saying, like, these are issues that Aboriginal people have with balancing the these identities. And here and you know, there's a way of like of telling that and a of saying those words. And instead of yeah. just saying say it was instead of talking about or telling the experience of these people, it does it by showing one experience, which of yeah. course does not mean that all of these people have this experience and that's what's great about it is that it is it is one singular experience that tells the story of like one person and you can really get a, a an insight into 
his life and his family's life and what it might be like to be uh, that identity and in that situation. In my blood, it runs. It's on Sofa Cinema. How do people watch it, Christopher? Oh, super easy. Just go to mkefilm.org slash Sofa Cinema. And there's a selection of films you can rent. Uh, half of the proceeds go to help Milwaukee Film. So it's a good cause all around. mkefilm.org slash Sofa Cinema. And we're also going to get back into it in just a second. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Radio Milwaukee is on a mission. And if you're here to discover new perspectives on music in Milwaukee, then you're on a mission too. Join today to support the programming you love. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. Okay, and we're back. Yeah. Christopher Bollinger. Oh, thank goodness, thank goodness. When we're not back, when we're, when we're in break, I'm in pain the whole time. So I'm so <laughs> delightful that we're back. Sometimes I just hold my breath just to see if you can yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I have to because the pain is unbearable. <laughs> okay, in my blood it runs – um, you were saying how much you really loved this. Yeah. Let's talk about how it tells the story by um, focusing on this 10-year-old boy. What did you like about the, the decision to tell it that way and yeah. him? Well, I think he's a great uh, person to focus on because of his situation. He is clearly a gifted kid he's got in his community clearly he's considered a child healer he can he- heal people uh with his spirit with his hands um, and they show him doing it to his mom they he show is him like doing it to his mom, know, grandmother and it shows like how he experiences it too he was like even like explains her he was like uh, like i'm taking this in and i can feel it like moving through his body or you know like how yeah. how he's doing it. I, I i really like that in so so many ways, he is incredibly mature. He talks about how he goes out to the bush to focus to ha- to understand how to harness his anger or how to release his anger, because if he if he doesn't have control of his anger, he could make people sick, uh, which is a really mm-hmm. both literal and figurative way to look at that is uh, kind of lovely. Yes, and but he's also like a precocious ten year old, so. But he is, he's this kind of a special kid, I think. He's, a real, he's smart. He's clever. He's poetic when he speaks sometimes. He understands that the history of his people runs through his blood. Uh, he has memories of his entire history, which is a big, strong theme in this culture. But then you have that against the backdrop of him having to go to a white-dominated school, a Eurocentric school. And this is something that I feel like I, being a middle-aged white guy who grew up in Missouri only recently became aware of the really, the real effects of something like this. So he goes to this school yes, that is talking mostly about white history and with, from perspective of white people, white language, they, they, I think they dedicate maybe 30 minutes a week to the language of his people. 
Mm-hmm. And he's, you can tell he's frustrated. He runs away from school. He acts out. He runs away at night. And he doesn't, it's not like he's getting into so much trouble. He does a couple of times, but sometimes he just walks. He just goes for walks, but he knows he's not supposed to, but he's just like out and about, which is what gets him into trouble with truancy and, and, and his family. I think like what you were saying there in a bit is I think that's like a huge conversation that we're having right now with which is like what is our history and what is history and uh, what is it for history to change? And I I think that this this brought up a lot of those ideas is that like history, uh, history is taught and history is perspective. And and uh, um, right now, you know, we see history changing and being written in a different way and being told in a different way. And that doesn't mean that history is different. It is just, it is just told in a different way or being told from a different perspective or realizing that that history that we are taught is not solid. And that is not like the absolute word of what is being told. It's incomplete. And, uh, um, and that maybe we should spend some time thinking about this. And I, I think that this movie did a great job of like, kind of like hinting at that gigantic idea and conversation that we are having. The point of the movie where I, I think was most impactful for me was just hearing this 10-year-old boy, to hear him talk, to hear him have such a grasp on the history and culture of his people. To, 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 to have that at 10 years old was a thing that I did not have. You know, like the, he uh, he yeah. like understands his like place in the world and his and his place in yeah. society in a way that is just like that is advanced. And then to me, right. like the most shocking part was they show his grades in school. Oh yeah, yeah. And he is like failing every single class. And I I think that that for me that was like such effective filmmaking was to show how smart he is and then yeah. to like have that and be like these this represents something else or this is not representing right. yeah. him in a way that's complete because obviously here's a kid that is so smart um and this is right. I, it points to some kind of thing missing there yeah a real broken education system where a kid who is clearly smart beyond his years and yeah. and has empathy and understanding can't succeed in this particular system because it's not geared towards him. It's geared toward others. And I was just having this conversation uh, recently about education systems, how they're all skewed towards a white European uh, intended for that ty- that kind of person. Uh, something that I kept thinking of, and it seems kind of small in comparison to things that are going on, but it really rang a bell for me, which was like last year, yeah, like early last year, when there's that kid at this, that private school, I think it was a private school, who was not going to be allowed to go to graduation because his hair was too long. Oh, yeah. It was an African-American uh, young man who had braids, and his braids were connected to his family's uh, heritage. And he obeyed those, the rules of the school, which is they can't go past your shoulders. So he had them up during school, which was never a problem. Then suddenly they said, no, you can't, if you keep your hair long, you can't graduate, which is 
shocking because I heard people say, well, I mean, they had the rules going in. You know the rules when you go in. But those mm-hmm. rules were based on a European style of dress, a European st- style of uh, hair. So, And mm-hmm. the reason that you can't have it is because they call it distracting. That's kind of like the catch-all for, I don't want to tell you why we make this rule. It's arbitrary, but it's not arbitrary. It's based on white haircuts. Right. So, And it, it is arbitrary. It, was, <laughs> like, it, is, it is arbitrary. It, it's arbitrary in the sense that they just want a rule for them to follow because they think they're teaching them discipline. But what they're teaching them right. is the white, the white style <laughs> is the only one that's not distracting. They call them distracting sure. and it's really pointing out that you are different and you're, you're not as valid. Mm-hmm. So something as small as like your haircut in, in my mind, haircut, I realized was such a bigger issue and it's, and it started blossoming into like, and testing and this and how, uh, and history, <laughs> yeah. how they approach classes. It may, it just like from my limited experience, it just opened up like something that's been happening for forever. And this film was another way to encapsulate and show it on camera. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. here's how disparate these experiences are. And, and one is punished and one is celebrated. Mm-hmm. Shocking. And then they also, in the film, they, they, in the background essentially, or a through line is a situation that's happening in Australia where juvenile detention is at the time of filming this film, which was just a few years ago, a couple years ago, a hundred percent of child detention uh, prisoners essentially were Aborigine. There was no white kids in juvenile detention. And a big story came out down there where you realize there was camera, see camera footage got leaked where they're abusing these children. They're and they show just it. being yeah. very cruel. Yeah. And they show it and it's devastating. And th- there's this whole tension of like, he keeps acting out. Uh, the the boy in the film, and he may have to go to this place that they've already shown is a cruel place to put children. So it, and it, it just had some had a few different layers that drove it all home. Yeah, and it really like humanized that and showed that you know that you know the narrative is that these kids are bad kids that are that are going there, and it it showed like right. the things that go into you know uh, someone who is being threatened of being sent there. You mentioned the the artistry of it. What yeah. what stood out to you as the artistry of filmmaking? The, well, one, uh, I liked that they gave him a camera at some point. There's a few moments. Where oh, that was clearly- so cool. That was yeah. that was so genius. I I loved that too. And you can see him like using it and figuring it out, and like you see it from his perspective, which yeah. was just like metaphorical, you know. But also, yeah. Metaphorical. I think that's perfect because I was reading about the film, the Maya Newell, who is the uh, director, she's the director, she's the director of photography, she's the editor and producer. So hats off to you, ma'am. Yeah. You did, I mean, you did a lot of it. But despite her having so many hats, I was reading that is an incredibly collaborative experience with the family. The family were even considered collaborative directors because she really talked to the family about how she was representing them and so it, even beyond how collaborative film is usually she collaborated with the subjects in a way to make sure this was authentic and uninvasive it, as intimate as it is it seems not as invasive with the full support of the family so that's wonderful having the kid have the camera is just a wonderful right at the top of the film a wonderful example of that like they're involved but then 
going back to the filmmaking, the shots that are hers are often dreamy. There's when, especially at night when they're playing, when he's playing with friends or playing by himself, it's kind of a dreamy way that they film. She, it's not just straight on interviews with talking heads. It's observational. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear a lot of conversation. It's not like silent at all. He talks over it. So it's not quite observation in that sense, but it's so the camera works beautiful. The minimal bit of music here and there was lovely. Uh, the editing was really well done. I mean, every, every hat she had, she pulled off really well. Um, but yeah, I just, it had a look to it more than you would think from a documentary. What did you, what was your takeaway? What did you, uh, what did you like about it? Um, I think the same thing. I, I, I think there, there were parts where I felt like I needed more information, but I think that's just like, I'm a dumb dumb and was like, I wish I knew a little bit more like backstory. Yeah. Could just be that the film inspired a curiosity in you. Wow. <laughs> that, you want, that you wanted to learn more. Wow. <laughs> I like to spin, spin. I like to spin that to a positive, to a positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that everybody should go see it. For sure. Right now it's at Sofa Cinema. Yeah. MKEFilm.org slash Sofa Cinema. Uh, you can rent it. You can stream it that way. Um, but definitely, definitely check it out. It's it, it, They do tie the film into the Black Lives Matter movement and yep. uh, how it's, you know, this is Australia. So it's a global, obviously global issue. Yeah, it's just really opens up your mind to a, a new culture, a new perspective. It's lovely. Definitely yeah. check it out. In my blood, it runs at Sofa Cinema now. Okay, Polly, if you could uh, suggest one movie to watch after you watch this that is similar yeah. or does a similar thing, what's a movie you suggest as a companion piece? For sure. I, I thought about this film while watching In My Blood It Runs, which is called uh, Hale County This Morning, This Evening. Oh. Yeah. Did you see that movie? You know, it was like, it was the movie that I did not see, but then I like oh, watched yeah. the trailer a bunch of times and I just like felt, I read about it, you know, like I spent as much time yeah, like yeah, watching yeah. clips and reading about it as I <laughs> could have by just going. And I was just like so into it, but never like got a chance to actually like sit in the theater and watch it. Yeah. it It's a documentary, observational documentary about the community in Hale County, um, which is near Selma, Alabama, I believe. I hope I'm, I hope that's accurate. And it's really, it's a very observational doc where they don't directly interview anyone. They just observe the, but you see two or three different stories that run through happen with different people in the area. Also one of the most artfully photographed music, uh, everything is perfect in this doc. It's beautiful to watch and listen to. Yeah. So that's what yeah. reminded me. One, it's about it's about a non-white subject, which is harder to find, to be frank. So it's mm-hmm. non-white subjects, um, and you're also uh, at an incredible, artful through line the, in the making. These subjects it. aren't harder uh, to find. The movies about the subjects are harder to find. No shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's just what you're choosing to focus on. Right. Um, but yeah, beautiful. The the filmmaker is was a photographer first, and you can really tell that in the movie. So God, the stills of them just like on horseback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
beautiful. Great. Uh, what is the name of that again? Uh, Hale County This Morning, This Evening. And speaking of things to watch, my favorite question. Gabe, what else are you watching this week? Oh my gosh, I just watched um, a screener, so it's not available yet. Uh, but a documentary about Flannery O'Connor, the Southern writer who Ooh. did Good Man is Hard to Find. Yeah, it's real good. Is it a doc about her? <laughs> if you, it's a documentary about her and her life. I did not. There's. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's public record. It's not. It's not. She. She was around. It's a while Wikipedia. Ago. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot like trying to don't spoil Titanic. It's that. I mean, it's obviously right, right. out there, but I did not know she died so young, but made such an impact on literature. And the there's like Tommy Lee Jones is in it talking about his love for her. And- I was talking to Waxahachie recently. Do you know Waxahachie? She's from. No. Uh, so she's a wonderful, wonderful artist, and she made this album called yeah. St. Cloud this year, where she kind of like, oh. she's from the South, She and she's from Waxahachie Creek, um, and she she was telling me how she kind of like struggles with her Southerness, and, yeah. uh, um, and uh, included kind of like more of it on this album, and she said that she was like reading Flannery O'Connor as, as kind of like yeah. a great, like voice of the South that, um, gave a lot of wisdom to that and, uh, was like her, her own voice and, yeah. and was like a real inspiration for, for her. And I was like, dang, I got to read more Flannery. I haven't like read her anything from her since like college. Yeah. Same. And uh, I feel the same way. Like after watching it, I'm like, I want everything because if, mm. if as a, a modern woman struggling with your southernness, man, you could not look towards anyone better. She's she like reported essentially on the South, but through these kind of uh, fringe characters. So there was issues like at different times, like is her writing racist? But it seems as if she is just showing you the racism of the South right. without it's not necessarily her, her perspective. Um, so, but that's just a small part of what she struggled with and what she reported on and what she, uh, amplified in her stories, which are, I, from what I remember, lovely, but, um, yeah, it was a great movie. Amazing. I can't wait. Yeah. Did Super you see anything sad. good? Uh, right now, I'm talking to you from the foothills of Appalachia. Uh, I'm at a a cabin in West Virginia, so I haven't been watching anything. Um, You've been exploring your southern watching nature. Yeah, but I did watch. Um, yeah. I watched Million Dollar Baby before I left to complete <laughs> yeah. the list, and now I have seen every single Oscar. Uh, winner for best picture of all time and let me tell you million dollar baby was a terrible one to end on <laughs> I, <laughs> I did not I like it say, at all Kenny like, we should put in some cork popping hooray <laughs> noises but maybe it's not appropriate after all have you seen uh, I know oh, you're a Clint fair. Eastwood fan I'm here's the thing. I'm, I, I I struggle with my Clint Eastwood fandom as Flannery O'Connor uh, struggled with. <laughs> I am a right. I am a fan of him 
in spaghetti westerns when he was kind of harmless uh, as yeah, a director sure. he has skills but i i very much question his choice of subject often my god it was just like this whole movie was just like clint eastwood hates women and watch him kind of overcome <laughs> <laughs> the fact yeah. that he has just ran, like arbitrarily decided to be prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> well, what uh, a triumph. That, Give it best <laughs> picture. I know. <laughs> I think a lot of his films what are a like, hero. Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood kind of hates minorities, kind of hates women, kind of hates the left. Right. And watch him kind of overcome it is the theme of a lot of his movies. Uh, <laughs> not what we should be celebrating <laughs> no yeah i wish he would have just stuck with westerns even when he directed a western the, and the way that he overcomes his like hatred for uh his you know self-inflicted hatred of women minorities anybody that isn't an old white man is by yeah. spending the entire movie making them more like him <laughs> so that he can finally <laughs> like them. <laughs> Wait, let me I change my. I'm going to change my answer from earlier. In my blood, it runs. A good companion film would be Million Dollar Baby, <laughs> where you can see the other side of the coin, where it's white people trying so hard to get people to be like them. Oh God, it was <laughs> oh, really a terrible one to end on. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> but at least you get. <laughs> I do. I applaud and commend you the project, regardless of how it ended. That, Thank you. Uh, that's well, quite a task, and well done. Thanks. We'll have to do another decade soon. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, Cinnabuds in my blood it runs. <laughs> Edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Yay! Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. Oh, the news. We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. What? We <laughs> really lackluster yeah, in these yeah. ad libs. Christopher. I'm just making noises at the end. I got exhausted by our Clint Eastwood conversation. Um, uh, we thank Associated Bank, who is on board with us. Thank you, Associated Bank. That's my terrible Clint Eastwood impression. That was terrible. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, thank you, members of Milwaukee Film and 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. And I uh, would not do a bad uh, impression when I say thank you to you guys. I respect you too much. And finally, thank you to the worst Clint Eastwood impersonator of all time, Christopher Pollard. Oh, it is me. Oh, it is me. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yep. I thought it was somebody else. I'm like, no one could be worse than that. But uh, it's me. Nope. Okay. It is you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. See you guys soon. Bye.